Welcome to Mother Hustler Podcast, a podcast for busy moms who are trying to find their identities outside of motherhood. I'm your host, Dej Chanel. Let's laugh, learn, and grow together. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have back with me Kyle Dalton. She was on the podcast a couple months ago, and we had a fun little chat all about what doulas are, and that's actually... I'm, I believe my most listened to episode. So um, I'm excited to have you back. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about tips for first time moms. And I kind of talked with Kyle a little bit about this and told her that I really just wanted it to be like a fun, uh, like not too stressful conversation between two moms who have been there and uh, both experienced different things. I feel like every time I talk to my friends about when we brought our babies home for the first time and just becoming moms we all have just such cool unique different stories and we all have advice to share so um, (laughs) I'm gonna go ahead and let you kind of take it um and obviously just like I said just kind of like have a conversation uh we both have lists of things that we just um kind of prepared beforehand but um I'll let you start first All right. So when I was like prepping this list, I, I had a hard time narrowing it down, I think. So I've, I've come up with 10 tips that I think, think are good for first time moms, but I had a hard time narrowing it down to 10 because there's just so much that you don't know until you know, pretty much. And so, so I come up with these 10 things. And uh, one thing about them is that they are less about about the pregnancy, I think it's itself, or about childbirth, which is really easy for me as a childbirth educator to get geared into what should they know about about their birth, what should they know about this and this and that. But I really tried to narrow it down to things that may not be touched on as much because you could pretty much Google anything about childbirth. You're going to take classes and see videos, and people will tell you, oh, you know, about their experiences with with labor and their births and things like that. But so I've narrowed it down to these 10 things that I think that uh, were not touched on enough for me. So my first one is um, to prepare. Um, So everyone says, you know, prepare, but, but they don't talk to you about how you should prepare. And for me as a childbirth educator, obviously I'm going to tell you, take a childbirth class. (laughs) It's, it is the best way to prepare in my, in my mind, you've got a professional who kind of knows knows what they're talking about and knows the ins and outs. So um, prepare, but no one talks about how else you can prepare because, you know, classes may not be for everyone. Everyone's different. So, um, you know, I always, always suggest to, um, if you're not going to take a class, watch some videos on YouTube. There are so many birth videos and, um, you know, uh, educational type videos on YouTube. So watch videos, talk to other people about their birthing experiences. Um, I think it's really easy to get into the mindset of like, you know, it's going to happen. So I'm just going to let it happen and not really focus too much on it. But I really recommend that you prepare in some way. And, and you can prepare by birth mapping um, or birth planning. Some people call it birth planning. I like the term birth mapping better because, uh, you know, you don't really know what's going to happen. You don't know, 
you know, birth's so unpredictable. So I love the term birth mapping because you're navigating, you know, your pros and cons and alternatives. So I recommend that you sit down with a professional um, or you sit down with your partner or a family member and just, you know, kind of research and, and figure out what kinds of things that you're going to have to decide on when you're giving birth or when you have the baby um, and kind of figure out what you want from your experience. Yeah. And remember, remember that this is your birth experience and your, your parenting experience. So you're in the driver's seat, like you're in charge and it's okay if those plans change, but to be able to have an idea is, is probably, probably a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And then, um, and then every baby and pregnancy is different. So, you know, you could have your sister or sister-in-law or your mother or your grandmother tell you the experience that they had and tell you what they, you know, they think you should do. But for you, it's going to be unique. Even if you've, you know, even when you have more kids, you know, if you decide to have more kids after your first, your second is, is probably going to be very different from your first. So every baby, every pregnancy is different. So, you know, just prepare for each one, uh, even if preparation looks different for you. Yeah. And ev- like, I love that you mentioned that everybody's kind of just situation will be different because <laughs> we all just, I mean, and especially like the second one, I mean, you, now, you know what you didn't know. So yeah, yeah for it's sure. easier to go into that one. Well, it's not easier, but <laughs> you feel oh, yeah. more. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, even just my experiences based on, you know, never having a baby versus having my second were so different. You know, you just kind of know a little bit better, but with your first, you're kind of going in blind. Like you don't know, you just kind of, you're going off of what professionals and family members and your friends are telling you, you just don't, like I said, you don't know till you know. So. (laughs) Yeah. And they always say, what is it to listen to like that mom gut that you that you, that you just naturally have as soon as they put the baby in your arms. It's like, okay, you kind of just, you kind of just know things that you didn't know you would know, but it's still so, so important to, like you said, just plan for that entire first couple of weeks really. And then, yeah, like you said, in the hospital. Yeah, for sure. Well, and that's one, one on my list is to trust your instincts. That's another tip for me. From me, I mean, to a first time mom would be trust your instincts because, uh, you know, you're not going to know everything. It's impossible for you to know everything. And, uh, you know, just kind of trusting yourself and taking everyone's advice with the, you know, grain of salt and making sure you're, you're not doing anything you're uncomfortable with, uh, making sure that, you know, whatever you are doing, you're trusting yourself because that's your baby. So, you know, you need to do what feels right to you. And there's always going to be someone who thinks you're wrong. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It doesn't, you could be, you know, the crunchiest, granola mom on the face of the planet. And, and, you know, that there's going to be those moms who think you're, you know, too far or that, you know, what you're, you're doing is wrong. And then you, on the opposite end of, of the spectrum, you could, could, you know, be, be a mom who maybe doesn't do things the super like quote unquote natural, natural way. And then you've got those crunchier moms who don't think that you're doing things correctly. So it's just like, you're, you're going to meet so many people. You're going to have so many family members, friends who just, everyone does something differently. So really (laughs) just accept the fact that in someone's eyes, you're always going to be wrong. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) There's always someone who thinks something you're doing is wrong. So you have to become kind of confident in, 
what you're doing. You have to, you know, you have to say like, this is what I feel is right. This is what works for me and my family. So, you know, be confident in your decisions, trust your instincts. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, if you have a happy baby and a healthy baby and you're as sane as you can possibly be as a new mom, then you're probably doing just fine. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, and that, and that kind of leads into another one is, um, is your mental health is so important. Like prioritize your mental health. So there's another tip. <laughs> prioritize your mental health oh my because goodness. it's just, you know, if you're not in a good headspace, if you're not in a good place mentally, you can't, you can't parent and be, you know, have a, a happy baby. Like, I mean, you have to also be happy to have the whole experience, you know, round out and be enjoyable for everyone. Like, you know, and it's not going to be perfect, but, you know, cause some people don't, they don't connect or immediately bond with their babies. And with, with my daughter, Eden, she had her NICU stay, which really like threw a wrench in all of our, our plans and, and our bonding experience and everything. And, and I didn't really meet her for like hours after she was born. And when I did, you know, cause she was born, they put her on my stomach for, you know, 30 seconds to a minute and then had to take her to the NICU. So I didn't even see her face. And so I just didn't feel that connection with her immediately. It was, it was really difficult. And so some people, and some people do get to hold their babies immediately. I still don't, don't feel that, you know, life altering, you know, connecting moment. It takes, takes a minute for them. So, you know, it's okay if you don't bond immediately with your baby, you're getting to know them and you're not a, a bad mom. If you have this you know, experience or, or if you do have any mental, mental health um, disorders or anything after birth, you know, postpartum depression is stigmatized. It's not talked about enough. And I feel like people are very ashamed of it and, and getting help or needing medications and things like that. That is, you know, those are nothing, that's nothing to be ashamed of. Like that's, that is you doing what is necessary and what, um, what you need to do to, you know, have a good experience and to, to be able to parent your babies and for, for you to be able to, you know, give them what they need at that time. Yeah. And I kind of just wanted to add on, I was actually recording a podcast earlier this week and we were talking about the fourth trimester, um, or just postpartum time and how, you know, we do all these things to prepare for, you know, the birth. And just while we're pregnant, we do all these things. Like we're taking prenatals, we're going to all these appointments, like we're being very well taken care of. And then so many women, uh, once their baby is here, then, you know, they get sent home from the hospital and then they don't have an appointment for six to eight weeks after they give birth. Yeah. And so many things are happening during that time. I mean, it's just, especially as a first time mom, like your entire world just got changed completely and it'll never be the same again. And uh, so no wonder so many women uh, struggle with, I mean, so many different things, not just, not just postpartum depression, but I mean, there's, there's just so many different things. I mean, you're emotional anyways, because hormones, hello. Yeah. <laughs> um but then on top of it, you have this new baby to take care of and you're trying to take care of yourself. And I think it's just really important for us as new moms to take that initiative ourselves to make sure that we are being taken care of um, and maybe just preparing a little bit before you even, you know, uh, give birth, whether that's, you know, having a therapist on 
on standby or like having one that you had chatted with a little bit beforehand. Um, that's what I'm personally doing or, you know, hiring a doula is a great way because doulas are there for that postpartum time as well. Um, so there's just like, I mean, I think that that is one of the most important things that is not talked about is that postpartum just time frame of healing because there's just so much going on. And, uh, as women, we tend to put everybody before ourselves. Oh yeah, for sure. And and I love that you mentioned it because that's another tip of mine is to prepare for your postpartum experience. And, and this is something that I actually do with my clients. Like we sit down and talk about what you expect out of postpartum and, and how you can best prepare for it because no one talks about it enough. It was not talked about hardly at all in my childbirth classes when I was pregnant with my first. And, you know, I just didn't, I think we kind of put that in the back of our minds after we have our babies. And so like, you know, I realized that even like personally with my own friends and things, I don't talk about it a whole lot and no one talked about it with me a whole lot. So, so that's another tip is, is prepare for your postpartum experience, prepare for your new body, prepare for your mental health, you know, um, with your body, you're, you, I was not prepared for the, the soreness everywhere. Like it was, insane after I had my first baby I was like yeah of course I know my vagina is going to be sore baby just came out but like you don't realize your belly is sore your your muscles are sore my my thighs were sore like everything was sore from the amount of energy and muscle and you know everything that I was using you know when I was giving birth and so yeah that was a surprise to me another thing that was surprising to me was um bleeding i didn't think a human being could bleed that much without dying like i really <laughs> that was insane to me I, and i was someone who who bled for six weeks and and no one talked about that with me i you know if you google it it tells you like three to ten days and i have literally never met another mom who was like yeah I only bled for three days and no. And so <laughs> I bled for like six weeks and yeah, I was surprised. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I've known moms who've had C-sections who have bled for that long. Mm-hmm. And when you have a C-section, cause I remember this friend of mine, she was like, okay, they're supposed to like clean everything up when you have a C-section. So you assume you're going to bleed less. And she, I think she bled for over that six week period and she was kind of starting to get worried, but it's like, you know, they don't, they don't go over all those things with you in the hospital. They're not sitting there telling you this is what you should expect. I mean, all I remember is them showing me a video about, I think like, I'm assuming it's like shaken baby syndrome. I remember Mm -hmm. that. And then I also remember taking like this, this questionnaire, Uh (laughs) um, literally not even 24 hours after I gave birth about, um, how I was feeling mentally. (laughs) And I don't know that (laughs) It's feeling good mentally for 24 hours after they give birth. <laughs> I know. That's like that's like you got into a car accident and you step out of the vehicle and they go, how are you feeling mentally? Like yeah. you, you just are not, you're in shock almost. Like you don't have time to adjust yet. Like you have to, you have to have that time to, to kind of sit with it for a little bit. And, yeah. and so, yeah, well, and then that in my childbirth classes, we talk about postpartum in depth. Like I have a whole class dedicated to postpartum and like those first weeks home because I was just not informed and, uh, and they didn't tell me things like, yeah, even, you know, if I personally didn't have a C-section, but I always make sure to, to, you know, talk about like, 
if you have a C-section, you'll probably bleed the same amount because it's a placental like wound. There's a wound site in your uterus. So you're still going to bleed no matter what. And so I think people don't expect that because, you know, they just are like, oh, it's got to be, you know, different. They're different things. So, yeah, I, I touch on those in my childbirth classes because I just feel like the postpartum, like that fourth trimester is such a shocking experience, especially the first time, I think, is more shocking than anything because you just have never had an experience like that. You know, it's a different kind of bleeding than your menstrual cycles. It's generally, especially in those first couple of days, it's very, very heavy and, you know, I remember the nurse, she helped me after birth to get all set up, like with my, my um, pads and my peri bottle and my dermaplast and all that. Um, and she doubled up my pads. Like she put two pads next to each other in, in my mesh panties. And I was like, what? So confused. And, and then like, by the time I was in postpartum recovery, uh, I understood like the amount that I was bleeding was, was insane and clots. I did not expect clotting. Um, you know, I remember passing a huge clot after birth, like probably the size of like, Oh man, like a, like bigger than a grape. I know that bigger than like a large grape. And it was, it was huge to me. And I didn't think that should be coming out of my body. And I went and got a nurse and she was like, yeah, as long as they're not bigger than lemons. And I was like, what? Are you serious right now? And so, yeah, I just was not prepared for that. And and so, yeah, I, I tend to talk a lot about it with my my clients. Yeah. Um, and no one told me about the cramping. Did you experience the cramping after birth? Um, A little bit, but not as much as I've heard some of my friends talk about it. The first was a lot different than the second. The first, it was like menstrual cramps and the second it was like contractions so you know it does does get a little bit heads up it gets a little bit um it tends to get a little bit painful with the second but good thing but to look yeah to. <laughs> oh yeah like every time my baby would latch either of my babies I just remember like the cramping would start really really hard and and it's a good thing because it's your uterus is getting back to to its normal size. It's trying to get back to its normal size, and so it contracts every time the baby nurses, which is is helpful, but also very painful. And no one no one told me that. And so, you know, be prepared as a first time mom if you'll have these contraction type feelings or these cramping, you know, type feelings after birth, especially when you breastfeed. <laughs> They're normal and healthy, but they are was they were not something anyone talked to me about. Yeah. And then I was going to say too, I don't know if this is something that you have on your list, like just going into that fourth trimester is like, we've kind of already touched on, you know, emotional, mental well-being, but just the, like the baby blues, I, I believe is what they're called. Uh-huh. I don't know if you can explain those a little better. I remember having them. I don't remember knowing what in the world was going on. I just remember being so emotional and just feeling like the lowest low I'd ever felt in my life. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that is, that is definitely on my list. Um, with, with the baby blues, uh, you know, I think we tend to call them baby blues more than they should be. The first few days are baby blues. So those first few days when your, your hormones are settling back in, they're trying to find their, you know, their new norm, you know, you can have this, this roller coaster of emotions happening. Um, you know, especially when your hormones crash around like day you know, two, three ish, they crash like you. And you could sometimes physically tell when they are coming down because, um, or when they're shifting, because, you know, you, there was a night where I woke up just drenched in sweat, like someone had dumped water on me. And, 
and my hormones were settle- settling back in. But anyway, those first few days are when everything is is finding its new new baseline and you can have like this roller coaster of emotions um, and which is normal, you know, having the feeling of like, wow, I've, you know, lost my independence now or my freedom or, you know, I have a whole life to care for now. You tend to cry a lot. You can feel very rage filled at times, angry at your partner. So these first few days are really um, kind of scary. I think for me, they were personally, um, they yeah. were a little scary to see, you know, my, my mental health go up and down the way it did because you're on cloud nine but you're also like in this weird dreamlike state of like wow I just you know brought a new person into the world and so yeah those first few days this baby blues thing can happen and then you know if it's starting the last weeks we really want to start looking at you know is this postpartum depression like full-on postpartum depression and and no one talks a lot about postpartum anxiety like, you know, you, you may not feel super depressed, but you may feel very, very anxious and high strung. And, and personally, I have anxiety normally. And um, my anxiety after I had a baby was just in, in very intense that it pre- presented as anger when I felt out of control with things. I would be very angry. My, my poor husband caught like the brunt of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would just like take out my anger on him and it wasn't even really anger it was just the fact that I was feeling out of control and and very anxious and and that is how it presented itself for me um and so you know those things are very normal but it's also they're so stigmatized and people are worried about how they'll look and you know there are people who are worried that they'll get CPS called on them or something someone will think they're crazy or you know so they don't they don't talk about it with their providers or their providers may not, you know, know how to handle that specific, um, you know, disorder or that specific experience. And so they may not get the help they need and they may avoid asking from someone else. So um, for me, postpartum mental health is super important to talk about and super important to um, try to try to remove the stigma because it's just something that affects a lot more you know, parents and, and speaking of just parents, it affects fathers as well. And we just don't talk about that enough. Yeah. Yeah. And just kind of to give like a different situation. Um, I didn't have anxiety my entire life until I gave birth. <laughs> that was kind of what, uh, and, and I wouldn't say that that, you know, giving birth is what gave me anxiety, but just becoming a new mom and just, never experiencing anxiety. And then, you know, I feel like for a lot of moms, they, they hear about postpartum depression, you know, we hear about it. Like you said, it's so stigmatized and just so, I mean, it it just has a negative feeling around it. And so I remember in my mind, I was like, okay, um, you know, I'm feeling sad, but I don't think that this is depression. And you just kind of hope that you're the one that doesn't get it. And that's what, mm-hmm. that's how I felt. And I really wish that I would have just like kind of taken a step back and really just, um, you know, cause I don't know for, for sure at this point, cause I didn't get any help until a year after I had given birth, which mm-hmm. is more common than, um, than getting help right away. Uh, but I wish that I would have just, you know, just talk to somebody even because I was feeling sad just to make sure that that's okay. Because for somebody that never experienced 
any type of anxiety or depression in their lives. And then all of a sudden you have all these emotions. I think it's just so important to get them out. So I just kind of wanted to give, I think for somebody who has anxiety and going into the second one for myself with having anxiety, I'm going to, I'm going to know when something's wrong, but for somebody that doesn't have it, it's kind of like, you know, there's so much going on. You know, I just had a baby. I'm so happy, but also like, ow, everything hurts. And it's just, there's just so much going on at once. It's hard to really like pinpoint what's normal and what's not, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and, you know, on that note, like, you know, as a person who normally had anxiety and then had a baby, I just didn't, you don't realize how different things are after having a baby. Like, I mean, it's physically even, um, you know, I remember thinking like, oh, I've had heartburn my whole life. But then when you have pregnancy heartburn, it's a whole lot different. And it's the same thing with with my mental health. I was like, I've had anxiety my whole life. I know what to look for. And when I had her, um, when I had my first, it just presented in a whole new way. And I didn't even, I couldn't even see it. Like, I remember the whole reason I even figured out that I that I was having these issues was that my poor husband, <laughs> my poor husband, he had, um, he had ordered me a, a shirt, like as a nice, the shirt that I had, had really loved online. And he accidentally had it sent to the wrong address. And I remember saying like, oh, did you get the, did you get the shirt for me? And he was like, yeah. And I said, well, it's been like weeks. Like, where is it? And when I figured out he sent it to the wrong address, I was just so upset, so upset and like crying. And, and it was like, such a weird situation for me to be crying about. And I remember thinking like, what is wrong with me? Why am I freaking out over, you know, this, this minor mistake, this, it's a t-shirt. And, and I remember thinking like, I need help. Like there's something wrong with me. And I, I went to therapy and therapy has been like a game changer for me. Even, even being, you know, I'm about, my youngest is about to be two. And And I still go to therapy because it was really just a game changer for me. You know, I was able to have someone look in from the outside and say, like, you're not crazy. You're not a bad mom. Like, you are feeling out of control right now. And you're not, you don't have anger management issues. Like, you are just, you have anxiety and it's presenting itself as rage. And, and, you know, here, let's, let's work on some skills, some tools to, to rein that in, like to how you can connect back with yourself, because that was my issue was I felt so out of control as, you know, a new mom and as a person and as a wife. And I felt like nothing I was doing was right. And everything just was monumental in my mind to those little things would just get to me. And so to have to have someone from the outside say, like, you're not crazy. Let's 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 do this together. It was just a a game changer for me so much that I still go to therapy to this day. Yeah. And as soon as I started, I stayed too. I mean, I honestly, if I was like an OBGYN or if I had any type of power over anything, I would really just have all new moms do just a little bit of therapy because we would all probably stay. Yeah. Well, and that's in my, you know, I'm not like a a mental health therapist or anything like that but in with all of my my intakes that I do with with new clients at the clinic we we have an intake form and I ask them how do you feel um how do you feel like your mental health is like how what would you describe your mental health as um you know do you feel like you're having you know depression have you had any 
history of depression. Like we talk about that stuff so that it just opens the door for me to say, Hey, listen, these things can happen when you're pregnant. They can happen after you have a baby. Um, you know, here's some resources or here's some tips and ideas. And so that we can just kind of touch on that a little bit, because I think it's important to, to, you know, let people know that they're normal things that, that they can happen to anyone and that they have people around them that will support them through it. Yes. And so, yeah, postpartum is just, yeah, it's not talked about enough. And physic, then the physical aspects I don't think are talked about enough. Like I, I was not prepared to not be able to wear my normal pre-pregnancy clothes when I left the hospital. Like no one told me I was still going to look pregnant after <laughs> having a baby. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, tell everyone like you may still be wearing maternity clothes after you've had the baby um you're probably not gonna bounce back immediately you know you're not gonna be able to fit into your pre-pregnancy jeans when you get home from the hospital and yeah yeah you're gonna want (laughs) comfy clothes when you get home oh yeah pack some pack some sweatpants you know some (laughs) leggings you know maternity clothes I packed maternity jeans I remember leaving the hospital but because I think because someone told me to, but that I had also packed my pre-pregnancy pants, just thinking like, well, I'll bring the maternity pants just in case they were right. But I really think like I'll be back to normal. And so I just was not, I was kind of sad. Like when I put them on and I was like, oh my gosh, I have such a long way to go. And so, yeah, I just, yeah, be aware you may not bounce back immediately. And there are some who may. Like, I have a cousin who she was fitting right back into her pre-pregnancy genes afterwards. I don't know what kind of witchcraft she has access to. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, she fit, fit back into it. So, you know, be prepared either way. Um, be flexible. That's another, that's one of my other tips on here is to to be flexible because, Things may, you know, your reality may be different than your expectations, whether they are positive or negative expectations. So, you know, you could think I'm never going to get back into my pre-pregnancy genes. And then, you know, you get home and you're back into them. And so, um, you know, be flexible, birth, postpartum, all that may be more difficult or less difficult than you thought. Um, Your plans may change, but yeah, being flexible throughout all of it is really key. I think when you hold on to these rigorous um, ideals, you know, whatever those may be, some people may think like, I'm going to go to the hospital and I'm going to get an epidural and I'm going to have the most pain-free, relaxing childbirth. And then they may have an extremely fast labor and end up giving birth without medication. And, and that can be traumatizing. So, you know, kind of being flexible with with your ideals for labor, I think, for labor and birth and, pre- and pregnancy and postpartum and all of that. I think as a parent in general, you have to get used to the idea that you don't have control anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to go say, with the flow. For the rest of your life now. <laughs> yeah, for the rest of your life, seriously. Like, I mean, with even with little things, I remember thinking like, oh, I'm going to put my kids in these adorable matching Halloween costumes. And like my daughter was like, no thanks. <laughs> and I just, I have to let go of these ideals of like, oh, I, you know, the things that you want out of parenthood are never going to just happen, I think. And whether it's something small, like Halloween costumes, or whether it's something big, like your whole birth plan flies out the window. So, you know, you just kind of have to go with the flow, like for the rest of your life, or else holding on to those, those, you know, rigorous 
um, thoughts and ideals and what you want out of all of it may, you know, cause you some issues down the road. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm such a type A person that I went into everything with like such a, you know, hardcore plan. And um, yeah, I was one of those that said I was not going to get an epidural. I was going to do everything natural. And then after I was in labor for like 24 hours, my doctor came in and was like, you know, <laughs> it might be a good idea because your body is like, <laughs> it's done. Your body's done. Yeah. So, and that just broke my heart and it still breaks my heart to this day that I couldn't do it. But um, I think once, I mean, going into my second, I'm kind of just like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I have a plan, just like we talked about at the beginning, you, you can have a plan, but um, you have to just not let it ruin your whole entire life if it doesn't go to plan. Um, because yeah. as long as you have a, a sweet new baby in your arms at the end of it, then um, yeah, well, everything even if you, else is good. Yeah, well, and even if you come away from your experience with some trauma, you know, whether it did or didn't go the way that you had expected, you know, being able to to deal with that, um, deal with that itself is mm -hmm. is a way that you can be flexible because you know, for me personally, my first, it was like, I hired a doula at 12 weeks, and I took childbirth ed classes, and, and, you know, learned about breastfeeding, and did everything by, you know, that, you know, everything you're supposed to do to have, you know, the birth you want, and, and, you know, that was my first lesson in going with the flow, like, you know, my kid threw me for a loop, <laughs> she, I had, had everything I wanted out of labor. And then as soon as she was born, she had, you know, respiratory distress and went to the NICU. And so I had just given birth in the exact way that I had planned. And then immediately after she was born, everything changed. And that was my first lesson in go with the flow, plans change, be flexible. And, and I wasn't at the time. And it really caused me to come away from the experience with like regrets and trauma. And, and I ended up, you know, with a healthy baby and and I technically had the birth experience that I wanted um you know I gave birth without an an epidural and I I didn't have any of the interventions that I said I wouldn't have and so if you looked at it from the outside you know I could see why someone would go okay she had the birth she wanted what's wrong here but you know I came away with it with this trauma though from the whole postpartum experience and it it affected me well into into her first year, I think, of life, like that whole first year. I mean, I didn't go to therapy until she was seven months old. Yeah. And so, so yeah, being flexible, I think, think is super important. And then with the second, with the second, I, I planned again, but I was more flexible. And I was honestly, just when everything went to plan, it was just such a pleasant surprise for me, because I had, you know, prepped myself for, if I needed to go to the hospital, you know, I had a home birth. And so, but the whole time I told myself, it's okay. If you go to the hospital, it's okay. If you want an epidural, there's nothing wrong. If you end up having to have a C-section, it is okay. Either way, a baby will have been brought forth from your body and you have done this powerful, magical, wonderful, amazing thing. And you've brought life into the world. And no matter how it happened, it happened and you did it and whatever, however you did, it came with its own trials and its own, its own, you know, set of experiences. And so, yeah, no matter how you give birth, you're a superhero to me. <laughs> yeah. 
And I think it's really important too to to just touch on. Uh, I feel like when we think of trauma, we think of just like ho- these horror stories, you know, um, like yeah. mine be one, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you can listen to that some somewhere at the beginning of this podcast. But um, I, as I was kind of you know diagnosed with PTSD from my birth, I I started you know I, I was joined into a couple Facebook groups um, and just just talking with other moms who had PTSD from their births and you know having trauma can be can be anything and i feel like so many of the of the moms that i've talked to that have have trauma from giving birth uh almost feel guilty for having that trauma because you compare you know you compare your stories to others but um i think it's just really important to remember that trauma can come from like any situation it's not just oh, no. You know these horror stories or these you know the worst case scenario type of stories uh you know trauma can can come from just like like you said um you know a, a perfect quote quote unquote perfect birth uh mm-hmm. you can still have trauma from that and so you know kind of going back to the mental health thing but um just making sure that you kind of are just catching those those things and just uh being like you said flexible with yourself and uh and accepting those things as hard as it might be. Oh yeah, and I I agree with all of that. Like I think we we talked about, you know, in in the past podcast that we did together was we talked a little bit about birth trauma and that it really can come from from anywhere and anything, you know. Some people may have a C-section that they planned out and it was beautiful and not traumatizing at all. And you know, some people may have had a very fast you know, intense labor that ended up being very traumatic, no matter if it was picture picturesque, you know, on the outside and ever, all of us look at it as like, oh, wow, you're so lucky. You know, they, in if they say it was trauma, it was trauma. If they are traumatized, then it is trauma. And that's yeah. what we talked about a little bit in that past podcast was, you know, people don't really acknowledge the existence of trauma or it gets um, shut down really easily. And I think that we need to be validating experiences a little bit more than we are yeah I agree I agree and and well that goes into to one of my other tips is to um, really take it easy on yourself like give yourself some grace Mm -hmm. Um, you are no one is a perfect parent there's no such thing as a perfect parent and so you know do what you can do don't try to do it all uh you know making sure I love that when everyone says nap when the baby naps like (laughs) that is the, I hate that piece of advice because I'm like, you know what I do when the baby naps? I get everything done that I can't do when the baby's awake. <laughs> and so, you know, but sometimes nap when the baby naps. Like if that's what you need at that point, if you feel the opportunity arise, take it. Like mm-hmm. don't, it doesn't matter if there's a sink full of dishes for an extra day or whatever. Like do what you can do. But yeah, take it easy on yourself. And you know, the books and the experts and the scientists may say one thing, say that, you know, one thing is the perfect way to parent or that you should be doing something. Um, but if for you personally, you aren't able to do, like, for example, okay, I'm a lactation counselor. I have studied lactation for years and I know that breast milk and breastfeeding baby to breast is ideal. It's the biological norm. It's scientifically the best thing that you can feed your baby. But if you are not able to breastfeed, if you are having 
the worst breastfeeding experience that you could possibly have. And therefore you're developing postpartum depression and, and formula feeding is what helps you to be a happy, healthy mother. Then that's the thing, you know, that decision is yours to make. Like if, if you need to make that decision and that's what's right for you and your family, then that's the decision you have to make. And I think, think that those, those things come you know, with judgment, when you breastfeed exclusively and you're very passionate about it, you've got, you know, the camp that's like, oh, you know, you're sanctimonious and, and we couldn't do it. So, you know, and we feel judged and all that. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got the moms who think breastfeeding or, you know, they, they talk about the research and they, they are so into breastfeeding that they don't realize that they are um, being very offensive to people who've experienced uh, trouble breastfeeding and and so and I have plenty of friends and family who um, had to formula feed because they didn't have access to the resources and the support that they needed to breastfeed and for them the best option for them and their baby was to formula feed and so I think that we can really become harsh towards ourselves and I was that mom with my with my first I breastfed until she was like six months old five or six months old I think and then she she was not gaining weight and my supply was you know just tanked and and I ended up having a formula feed and I remember crying just feeling like nothing was going right and that was the one thing I wanted to do and and not being able to breastfeed I was so hard on myself so hard on myself and and Second time around, I it was di- very different because I had support and education and and I knew what I was doing at that point. But but I just the first one of the mistakes I made too with my first was um, that I didn't just acknowledge that it was okay that I didn't know everything. Like mm-hmm. I didn't reach out for help because I was just like you know I'm the mom I can do this. It's breastfeeding. It's supposed to come naturally. Like everyone says that and and I did not reach out for help when I when I needed it. And, um, and we'll talk about that in a minute, because I think that's one of my other tips is to reach out for help when you need it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but, but anyway, give yourself some grace. Um, you're gonna have bad days, like in parenting, if you're not going to have the perfect 18 years, I mean, you're, you're a parent forever, your kid is going to, to give you some trials, you're going to mess up. Like you're gonna have bad days. There are gonna be days that your baby's crying and you don't know why, and you're crying and they're crying, and everyone is just a mess. And all you can do is watch Netflix and breastfeed, or you know, hang out with your baby and and you know, do whatever you need to do to survive that day. And so, and that a lot of my days look like that. A lot of my days were seriously hanging out in a tank top, no bra, sweatpants, binge watching Netflix, and just trying to get my baby to latch like that was and that was my second baby that was the one that I was informed about you know but but that's just how it goes sometimes and you know acknowledging that that you're going to have some bad days um acknowledging that you may have trauma from your birth experience or your breastfeeding experience or whatever um one thing I did when I was when I was like seven months postpartum around the time that I was trying to take care of my mental health and go to therapy and do all that is I, I did a birth listening session with a birthing from within instructor. Her name's Nikki Shahid. She's based in San Antonio, but I, I loved her. I love her now. We're friends on Facebook and she's part of the birth community out in San Antonio. But um, yeah, she, her and I had this, this 
birth listening session. And she, one thing she told me was that we tend, as humans, we we make decisions out of this need for safety and this need for survival. And um, and we kind of explored the things, the decisions I had made in labor and in in breastfeeding and and all that. And we looked at the fact that as human beings, we need to be safe. Like that is part of like the primal, our primal needs is safety. And so a lot of the decisions we make are out of the need for safety and comfort and, and to feel, you know, that like normal protected, like secure feeling. And so things like, you know, in labor, you made the decision to get an epidural or you made the decision to have your water broken because, you know, you were done being pregnant and you just, you were feeling very, uh, that you're feeling like you were done and you just wanted to be back to like the secure, normal <laughs> baseline. Um, so, you know, if you look back on decisions, a lot of the decisions you make are made out of the need for safety. And some of those include the need for safety for your baby. That's normal too. Um, you know, there are people who have C-sections because their baby's heart rates are dipping a little bit. And so, you know, they go ahead and have a C-section to prevent any further distress. So all the things that we do, especially as mothers, are a primal instinct for safety for us and our families. And so kind of acknowledging that that um, you've made decisions for those reasons and that you, um, you're just a normal human being and <laughs> you can't do everything perfectly. So, so, you know, give yourself, give yourself that grace and cut yourself some slack is what I'm getting at with that. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like something I've done, especially like, you know, once you're a mom for a little while, you learn things and um, you wish you would have known them when you were first a mom. But I think something I do daily when I'm having, more particularly when I'm having a bad day, is I really like to just, (laughs) in my mind, I like to say, okay, what do I have control of right now? Like, what can I take control of right now? Uh, Because whenever I feel like I have control over even just one or two things in my day, it, it really does make everything just seem a little bit better. And I feel like I wish I would have known or had that little piece of advice when I had this brand new baby and I just, everything was going wrong. You know, like I, I had, I was on all these um, antibiotics and all these pain meds and they were making my milk just completely, it was gone. I mean, I didn't even really have that period of of, you know, your milk going away and, and it being painful. Like my milk was just gone one day when I woke up. And, and that was just, I mean, I, there's so much guilt tied to breastfeeding. And um, I wish that I would have just, you know, okay, I don't have control that my supply is taking from all of these um, pills yeah. that I am taking. So what do I have control of? I do have control to go get up and make my son a bottle from this uh, formula who somebody has scientifically created to be, you know, the next best thing to breast milk. And how blessed are we to have that, to have that option. And so I could control that. And I wish I would have, you know, had that mindset when I was first a mom, because there's so many things that could, that, that little piece of advice could have helped me with. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and even being able to say, okay, you know, I, I can go to a WIC clinic. Obviously here in this area, our WIC clinics are a little limited on breastfeeding help, but being able to say, you know, say, you know, there are 
online support groups or there's a lactation consultant here or or there or online or you know being able to say like being able to have those resources available to you will give you a sense of control um and and being able to say like uh you know that you it's okay if you can't control things one thing that my therapist has taught me is like when you when there's nothing that you can think of if there's nothing you can control in a situation being able to just ground yourself for a minute you know i do an exercise where i think you know, what are three things that I am hearing right now? What are two things that I can smell? What are, uh, you know, four things I can see? Just grounding myself helps a lot. And so, and that's one thing that I can control. (laughs) So finding that sense of control in anything is, is something that helps me. And so, you know, finding your support system is going to be really important in, in also giving you a sense of control because, um, you know, there are, there are professional support people, doulas, um, you know, lactation counselors, lactation consultants, uh, you know, doctors, any, anyone who, who you feel like you can reach out to as a professional can be a part of your support system. Your partner is going to be a huge part of your support system. They're probably the most important part of your support system. So, um, and, and that's another tip is building, building your support system. And so, you know, making sure you're they're on board and that they're on the same page with you, you know, your partner No, like one thing that we do in my childbirth ed class is um, we, we do this worksheet, a priorities worksheet, and each partner gets this worksheet. And, and it's things like, what are your expectations at six weeks, three months? Um, you know, I think, I think it's one year or something like that. And it's like, who does, who, who's going to be doing the grocery shopping? Uh, what are your expectations about sex? What are your expectations for visitors? You know, so that they can kind of sit down and say like, oh, I didn't think that, you know, I don't think that I will want to have sex until I'm, you know, six months postpartum. But he thinks that we're going to be having sex at six weeks postpartum. And, you know, being able to sit down and, and look at that and be on the same page and, and kind of talk about, oh, I didn't realize that you felt this way, but I feel this way, figuring out, you know, where the compromise lies and a lot of that, you know, I've had clients sit down and say, uh, there's no way I'm going to be able to grocery shop at six weeks. So you're going to be doing the grocery shopping at six weeks postpartum. Uh, so, you know, kind of sitting down, getting to know what each other's um, expectations are and, and being able to be on the same page and same thing with your, your family members, making sure, you know, your mother knows, you know, when she's allowed to come visit the baby or, um, you know, making sure your family knows that if they come to visit the baby, they need to help with something or bring a meal. (laughs) And so, you know, kind of just making sure everyone is informed and on the same page. Yeah. And I was actually surprised that because I didn't really prepare for that, like visitors afterwards. That's like uh-huh. another one. Um, I because we talked about our hormones just being crazy after after we have a baby, and I remember being so mad. Like I wanted these people out of my house. I just <laughs> wanted people to leave. And even in my hospital room, because we had a couple visitors, and I was like, "Can people just please leave me and my baby alone?" I remember getting. Emotion. I, I remember crying because I don't even remember who the person was, but somebody had come to visit me and they were holding my son. And I was like, I want to hold him. And I 
for whatever reason, I don't know why, because me now would never be like this. I didn't say anything. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I wish I would have told people, which this time I'm for sure. Nobody, well, nobody's coming to the hospital anyways, because it's COVID, but um, COVID time. But I mean, if it wasn't, if I was just having another June baby, summer baby where everything's normal, um, I would absolutely have no visitors in the hospital. But one of the things that you you learn because you did the wrong thing first time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and and everyone's different. You know, I am like you. I don't want visitors. I didn't want really hardly any. I don't think I had anyone my second time around um, attend my birth except for professionals and my husband. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and that is just how I like it. And some people are like, "Um, well, I need my sister and my mother and my grandmother and, and, you know, my husband's sister. And that's who they feel like would be best for them you know, and then they may have them there and decide the second baby, they don't want that. So it's just kind of about, you know, trial and error, really. But but if you feel like you don't want someone, if you don't want like your husband's mother to watch you give birth, then then it is your birth. And you can ban whoever you want from the hospital room or from your home or wherever you're giving birth. Like it is, that's like, not on my list. But that is one thing I want to touch on is that it's your birth and your body. And whoever sees you give birth this is like a really intimate experience and so you know this is not a sideshow so if you don't feel comfortable with someone watching you give birth then then you have ultimate say in who gets to be there Mm -hmm. without Um, guilt without guilt guilt. yes do not feel guilty I love my mother-in-law and if she listens to this (laughs) you know I hope she knows that no hard feelings but it was hard for me after birth when I didn't want her in the hospital room and she wanted to be there. And I think still to this day, she'll make a comment once in a while about how she hasn't gotten to attend any of my births. But, uh, you know, it's just for me, I didn't, my, I mean, I didn't have my mom. I had my sister, my first birth, but my second birth, my mom, my sister, my grandma, none of them were there. My cousins, none of them were there because that's the way that I prefer it. I'm like a cat. I like to go be alone and give birth. <laughs> you know, I just Which is totally fine. Yeah, that's how I feel safe. And and I make decisions out of safety because I'm a normal human being. So tell yourself that you're making these decisions because they're what feels right to you. You're following your instincts. You're doing what is best for you and your family. And don't feel guilty about that. Yeah, because people will get over it anyways. I pissed so many people off when I was first a new mom. And all of them still love me. So (laughs) yeah. And if they don't, then that's their problem. <laughs> and, and probably good riddance. <laughs> um, I, I also wanted to, while it's on my mind, I wanted to talk, you know, while we're talking about support systems. Uh, when I got pregnant the first time, I didn't have any uh, friends who also had had babies. Well, maybe like one or two. And so now that I'm now that I have like a whole tribe of mom friends, I can't even imagine doing like those first couple of months without them. Cause that's kind of when I like started making those friends. And I feel like other, just having other moms in your circle, whether they're cousins or, or your, your mom or grandma or friends, I feel like is just the best possible support system aside from your husband, of course, um, that there is. Even if you have to find your mom tribe online, like there's so many options now. I mean, I can't even imagine giving birth before the internet. (laughs) 
And so, you know, finding those mom support groups and, and things have been really helpful to me, especially in the time of COVID where, no, you know, you can't see as many in person or, you know, you don't get to go out and meet and do mommy groups and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, being able to to have that like online interaction as well. Um, and and I love that you had your mom tribe. I think that's so awesome. I I in in my other in this other list of tips, I I touch on um, you know not being afraid to reach out for help and lean on people when you need to. Uh, you know, building that support system so that they're there when you need them the most, and and not and trying not to avoid asking for help because things don't come naturally for a lot of us. And when you when you put off things like um, postpartum mood disorders, like when you put off getting help for those, or when you put off breastfeeding issues, those things tend to get worse if you put them off. Yeah. You know, a lot of, especially with breastfeeding, I see see a lot of of my my breastfeeding patients who will come into the clinic and and will have horrible pain and cracked bleeding nipples and a lot of it is because they just tried to nurse through it and thought that breastfeeding was supposed to be that way and they they didn't think that they needed help right now or they didn't want to reach out for help at that moment in time um but putting it off you know made it a lot worse so i always another tip is like don't avoid asking for help when you need it don't be afraid to admit to yourself when you need help it's okay to lean on others it's okay to need outside resources like it really does take a village and your village can look different everyone's village looks different so uh you know just acknowledging that that's that's okay to need to need that yeah I actually have my my best mom friend uh we did we never knew each other uh she lives here in Thatcher um but she she reached out to me our our we both have boys and they're like two weeks apart. And she reached out to me. She saw me at a, a restaurant in town and I graduated high school with her husband. So he knew who I was. And she messaged me on Instagram and she was like, Hey, uh, we have kids the same age. <laughs> Do you ever want to get together <laughs> for like a play date? That's awesome. Yeah. And I, I mean, obviously like I'm not the type of person that would do that so to me it was a little odd but at the time I was like I just I needed it I really did so I'm glad that she listened to whatever inside of her told her to to do that because I don't know how I would have survived the first (laughs) three years because my son's three now without her and they're little best buddies and um and I feel like it's if if something's tugging on your heart (laughs) then just listen to it especially as a new mom really and and making those connections are are you know amazing for for when you have a new baby there's just there is a connection that you have with other moms like that you know whether they've given birth themselves or they've adopted their babies like when you are in the care of of a child you make this connection with with other parents that you just don't get anywhere else I feel and you just you just have a knowledge you know you each have this like knowledge that that to be able to support each other and lean on each other is is just unlike any other connection that you can make. Yeah. And and going off that I, on my list just since we're on the topic, uh I put you know, after you've gone through it, after you become a new mom, uh try try to do for those around you that are going through it for the first time what you kind of wish you would have had. Yeah. Um, 
I look back to before I was a mom. We lived next door to some one of our closest friends. Uh, we we had we were like in like a duplex thing, and they uh, they had a little girl. Me and my husband were just date. We were engaged at the time, living together, and uh, her and her boyfriend were living together. Um, had a baby, super young, and their baby uh, had a a really rare heart uh, condition. Had to have heart surgery like right after she was born. And, you know, so they brought that baby home, you know, their first baby who just had heart surgery and uh, all these scary things. And, you know, I didn't I didn't know what she needed. And it just breaks my heart looking back on it. And she always tells me because she's mom. So she always tells me, you know what? You don't know what you don't know when you're not a mom. But once you are a mom, (laughs) just make sure that you're there for those uh, new mom friends of yours because they're going to need you more than they're ever willing to admit. uh, Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I think I think that um, and as a mom, you have that wisdom and you can look from the outside and, and kind of see a little bit better how you can help and what that person may need. Because before you have a kid, you just don't You're like, oh, I don't know what to I don't know how to help. And I know. so when you're a mom, you're just like, you're, you kind of have just like an insider type, type thing going on. So you just yeah. kind of know, kind of and know what to do a little bit mom, If you're a new mom and you're like the first one, like me in my friend group to have a baby and you're like wishing all your friends were helping more and doing things, um, just give them a little bit of grace because they really, they have no idea. <laughs> yeah. And don't, and don't be afraid to ask. Like yeah. I am someone I'm like, I can't read your mind. Ask me if you need something and I will be happy to do it. So like, don't be afraid to ask if, if you need a meal, if you need a shower, like call your friend up and say, Hey, pl- could you come sit with my baby for like 15 minutes while I just shave my legs and like shower and just feel normal again? Like that's okay to, to reach out and, and be specific about what you need. If if you're feeling that you need something, I mean, even your partner, reach out to your partner. He can't read your mind. Um, so, you know, go ahead and say, hey, I need you to hang out with the baby for, you know, 15 minutes while I, while I get an uninterrupted shower. And so, so, and that kind of leads into my, my last tip, because I think I skipped one, but, but we'll, <laughs> we'll just go ahead and skip it. But my last tip is to practice self-care. Like it doesn't have to be an elaborate thing it doesn't it can be as simple as asking your friend or your partner to to take care of your baby while you take an uninterrupted shower um many of the tips we've talked about here are forms of self-care therapy is self-care um you know making hard decisions like switching to formula from breastfeeding um or reaching out to you know your lactation professional those are forms of self-care um you, setting boundaries like saying hey no visitors or no one's allowed in the the room while I give birth. Those are forms of self-care. So so making an effort to prioritize your needs and and take care of yourself. It's the that oxygen mask, you know, analogy. Put your oxygen mask on before you can put anyone else's on. So make sure you are are taking care of yourself and and prioritizing yourself. Love yourself, give yourself grace. You know, do all those things that are going to keep you healthy and happy because, you know, you kind of have to put yourself at the top of the totem pole. Like you, you are taking care of a family and this little baby and you, you need to make sure that you're taking care of yourself as well. Yeah. And I like that you mentioned that self-care can look like 
so many different things. One of the things I have on my list is, you know, if you uh, feel like, because I mean, for my for my family, I am the one that cooks dinner every night. I, my husband, I don't know how what he would eat or how he would eat if I would <laughs> be gone. So yeah. um, if you're like me, then you might want to um, make a couple frozen meals beforehand because you're going to feel more in control. You're going to, that's like another form of self-care, just prepping for things that you know are going to drive you insane when you come home. And, oh, yeah. and also, you know, not only asking for that help, but accepting the help, um, you know, as long as it's not going to make you, some people just want to help a little too much. <laughs> And, and yeah, well, helpful. <laughs> well, I mean, even even if I remember being like two weeks postpartum and feeling guilty because we picked up Taco Bell for dinner instead of having something like nutritious or whatever. And I'm like, if you need to go pick up Taco Bell to take care of yourself, go get Taco Bell for dinner for your family. You're feeding them. That's what's important. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it went, I remember being so hard on myself after that and feeling like I just needed to get back to cooking and get back to these nutritious meals and everything. And, and forms of self-care can be as, as simple as having, you know, Taco Bell for dinner or, you know, um, like you said, I, I postpartum plan with, with my clients a lot. And we talk about what kind of meals do you like? What do you feel like you could prep in the freezer before you have this baby? Because, you know, that's a form of self-care is, is postpartum planning and making sure you've got what you've, you need to take care of you and your family. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, making sure everyone eats is really what is key here. So if what, yeah, whether that's Taco Bell, <laughs> yeah, whether that's Taco Bell or, you know, you've made an elaborate meal, you know, just make sure that you are, are doing what you are, uh, what's within your means. You know what I mean? Trying to, take care of yourself and not not stress yourself out and not push yourself too hard because you've just had a baby and and you need to prioritize yourself. I think that as moms we get so caught up in taking care of everyone else that we just we stop taking care of ourselves and that is my goal in life is to prioritize myself and stop putting myself underneath others like we can all be on you know this equal playing field we don't have to be less important than our kids or our partners like we can put the care and effort into each other and 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 I even practice it with my kids I I set boundaries with my kids where um you know if my daughter is is you know really fussy or something at that moment and I am feeling very very high anxiety and she wants me to tote her around I will say, you know, and I don't want to pick her up at that moment because we all get to those points where we're just touched out and we're, we are done with, with having that kind of contact and she's, she'll be crying and she'll want me to pick her up. And my boundary is I tell her, I cannot pick you up right now, baby. Like I am feeling stressed out. Like, how about we sit together on the floor and she will, and I'll sit next to her on her bedroom floor and we will hold hands or we will play with her toys or something like that. But at that moment, I have to set the boundary of saying, like, if I hold her right now, I feel like I am going to cry or <laughs> lose it or something like that. There's just so much. I'm a very, like, um, uh, sensory type person. Like, I get sensory overload, like, pretty easily. And so, um, you know, I've learned to set those boundaries with our even our two-year-old. And so 
you know, kind of figuring out where your compromise lies. Because obviously I wouldn't be like, no, I'm not holding you. And I go lock myself in my room. That's not where the compromise <laughs> lies. And then I would just feel like a terrible parent. So my compromise is we sit on the floor and hold hands instead of me picking her up. And so finding how in those little ways to care for yourself and your mental and emotional health um, and loving yourself without without sacrificing anything because I, I don't feel like motherhood has to be this huge sacrifice I feel like it can be compromise and yeah. there are you know there are sacrifices that you'll have to make I don't want to pretend that there's not here because there there are sacrifices that you'll have to make as a parent but you don't have to sacrifice yourself like any piece of yourself like you can still be an individual person while being a parent yeah and I think my favorite thing that I've just learned really I mean once ever since I've become a mom and a wife because being a wife is a whole nother thing um is that you know when we're taking care of ourselves before everyone else you know and sometimes that that looks like getting up a little earlier or you know staying up a little later or whatever um but when we're taking care of ourselves first not only are we happier but then when we are happier and we are more comfortable and content then that radiates to everyone else and even your new baby I I remember on the days when I was just so stressed and just so full of anxiety I um I could feel it in my son too I mean we we would just have bad days together and your energy radiates to everybody that you're around and so if you can just take care of yourself first then it'll make everything else just seem a little easier (laughs) absolutely I agree with all of that Yeah, so I think that's a good spot to end. We could talk about just becoming a mom forever, I feel like. (laughs) Yeah, we really could. There's there's so much. That's why I said it was so hard to narrow down my list because there's just so much that goes into it. But this is what I felt was some of the most important things that I could possibly touch on. I agree. And we we covered everything that was on my list, too. So obviously we're on the same. (laughs) Yeah, on the same page. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, So basically, to sum it all up, I mean, really, everything that we covered was was take care of yourself. (laughs) Yeah, really. All of this is to take care of yourself. Like, you know, that's yeah. Main goal here is hold on to yourself, love yourself and and take care of yourself the same way you do your family. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for chatting with me again. I did just want to make mention of um, we are because we talked a lot about breastfeeding um, just, you know, because that's a huge I mean, that's probably like the second biggest thing that happens after you yeah, the baby out or get the baby out is yeah. now you have to learn how to feed them. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So we are planning on doing a breastfeeding episode. All of my friends are just pumped for that episode because everyone in my uh, everyone in my mom tribe right now, like all of us are pregnant. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so they're like, oh, you've got to get Kyle to talk about breastfeeding. <laughs> so oh yeah, for sure. I could talk about that all day. So I'll yeah. have to figure out how so. to condense that to an hour too. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to do parts, but um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. but yeah, I just wanted to kind of like give everybody a heads up that we're going to be chatting about that a little more because I just um, I don't know anything about it. So I'm glad that you are an expert, especially here in our town. Somebody that we have somebody because. When I had my son, um, they they gave me the number of the a lactation consultant at the hospital, and she had actually come in and, and talked with me. I don't know who she was, but I just didn't click with her. Like there was just something, maybe hormones too, but I was just like I just felt like she was a little too 
like direct for me. And I think that's, that's okay. <laughs> Some people aren't our cup of tea. <laughs> oh yeah. And I, I I'm a firm believer. I'm, yeah. a firm, I'm a firm believer in that, that I'm not everyone's anything. I'm not everyone's, you know, I'm not the doula for everyone. I'm not the lactation professional for everyone. You know, I, I have come, come to terms with the fact that you can't always be the perfect fit for everyone. So yeah, I, I'm glad to be here. I, uh, this is my favorite thing in the world to do. I, I currently um, see patients at Goodman Healthcare. Um, I have an office there. Um, Dr. Valdez from Goodman Healthcare and I partnered up to start this. I've partnered with Goodman Healthcare to create the birthplace at Gila Valley. And, and so I offer um, my services there as a lactation counselor, as a childbirth educator. Um, I don't currently actively take births, but I do offer, you know, some of my skills as a doula. So I am trying to kind of give this like well-rounded maternal support service to, to this area. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I've been seeing um, the, all of the stuff on Facebook and, and I've on Instagram as well. And I think it's just, even just having like a social media account to go to in this town. Um, I was on there yesterday and I think I read every post that was on there so far. And I was like, it's just so nice to have a resource here in town that you know is there if you need it because yeah (laughs) and I love being here so so I'm (laughs) so happy to get to be on the podcast again I can't wait for our next episode and yeah just everyone know that I'm I am here to do what I can for you yes and I will link all the things in the show notes just like I always do and then on you know wherever you find this if it's Instagram Facebook everything will be linked um where wherever you're at so thanks again for talking with me and um we'll talk again soon (laughs) that sounds good thanks for having me okay see ya all right bye-bye thank you so much for listening to the mother hustler podcast i just want you to know that if you listen today you made my day If you have a friend, a sister, a daughter, anyone you think would love this episode, please share with them. I love hearing your thoughts and reviews on each episode. Also, if you want to hang out with me every day, be sure you are following me over on Instagram at Mother Hustler Podcast. I will see you all next time.